One of the things that are absolutely astounding to me and to Elizabeth as we travel around the globe and around this country is that how many people are asking us the question, are we living in the end times? Are we living in the last days? We were asked that in every stop we made. And these are real and genuine questions. And as I probe a little further as to why people are asking that, I found that they were not necessarily focusing on the Middle East and what's happening in Israel and the things that you would normally think about. But their questioning is arising from these faithful disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ who are so alarmed at the condition of the church of Jesus Christ. Even just in our lifetime, their questions are stemming from a deeply felt pain at how many churches and how many professing Christians are no longer in the faith. Churches that once were fervent evangelical churches are now preaching pop psychology. Christians who were so committed as Bible believers are now doubting the authority of the Scripture. Christians who were supporters of evangelical causes and evangelical institutions and have used their money and their influence, now they're doing that in order to water down and to change the biblical stance of these institutions. In my file, I have chapter and verse of what I'm telling you right now. So the questions that people are asking regarding the last days and the end times are based on the words of Jesus in Luke 18.8 when He said, Will the Son of Man find faith when He comes back? These questions that people are asking, not because of all the events that are going on in the world, but they're asking about these end times because of the words of Jesus in Matthew 24.11. That in the last days, the love of many will grow cold. The questions that people are asking regarding the last days are based on the words of Jesus in Matthew 24, 24. That in the last days, listen to me, even the elect will be deceived. And a lady was sitting with a couple over dinner back in Australia, and she said, I'm looking at the elect and I'm seeing them deceived all around me. Whether we are living in the last days or the last hours, it really makes no difference to me. I live every day of every moment of every day waiting for the Lord to come back. And either whether I go to Him first or He comes to us first, it really doesn't make any difference to me. The question is this. What do we do with doubt and doubters? That's the question. That's the issue. Here's something I want you to listen to very carefully. I want you to please accept what I'm going to tell you. And I want you never to be afraid to face this question. And the question about doubt is this, that doubt comes to every one of us. Doubt is part and parcel of living in this sinful world. Doubt is part and parcel. It's a reminder that we have a fallen nature. Doubt 
is an indication that sin and Satan are hard at work. Doubt is an indication that we are in desperate need of the grace of God every moment of every day. Doubt is an indication that we're not home yet. So don't be afraid of doubt. Doubt comes to all of us. But the question is not whether you go through doubts or you go through that periods of doubts in your life and in your walk with the Lord. The question is, how do you turn the times of doubt into a times of loving Jesus more? You see, I want you to listen to what I'm going to tell you. There is a world of difference between going through doubt and sitting in doubt. A world of difference. The reason these people and these churches and these institutions that once loved the Lord and now the love for the Lord is so cold is because when they went through a period of time, they sat in it. There are some people who would say that you should never, ever go through doubt. Not even for a second. In fact, I heard some preachers, bless their hearts, lambasting Gideon for doubting God. You know, remember that Gideon, he wasn't sure, and he said, Lord, you know, I was afraid. I don't know what was the circumstances were. He probably was scared out of his wits. And he said, Lord, said, if it rains on the fleece and dry everywhere else, I know you're calling me. So he goes out, and sure enough, he gets a lot of water out of that fleece, and it's dry everywhere else. And he said, Lord, I, just one more time. Just have the fleece dry and wet everywhere else. God said, okay, here it is. I hear preachers lambasting the poor guy. It's true, he had a hard time in this area. But listen to me. God is not going to fall off his throne when you go through periods of doubt. Did you hear what I just said? God is not going to fall off the throne when you go through periods of doubt. What is dishonoring to the Lord is that you staying in your doubt. What is dishonoring to the Lord is that you're not asking him and pleading with him to give you power and strength and victory over doubt. Now, please understand, doubt comes to all of us, and it comes in many shapes and forms. Doubt comes to all of us, and it comes for many reasons. Doubt comes to all of us, and it comes as a result of the circumstances in which we go through. Let me give you not a comprehensive list, but just give you a sample of the times when we go through times of doubt. There are some people who go through doubt because they don't have the accurate information. Either they have the wrong information, or the facts are wrong, or they misunderstood the facts, or they have the wrong facts. In fact, I heard about a minister who was ministering to college students. He ministered to thousands of college students. And one day, one of the college students just blew in his office and he sat down and he said, I cannot and I will not believe in God. And the minister said, okay, tell me about your God. And he went ahead and started sketching a picture of God that he has in his mind. Upon which, when he finished, the minister said to him, he said, you know what? We're in the same boat. I don't believe in that God either and I cannot believe in that God. Because you see, have, people have the wrong facts, they go through doubt. Secondly, there are those who go through doubt that comes from overwhelming confusion. And don't we have confusion in our society today? We got so many blabbermouths out there, and they call them experts on everything. I mean, I'm amazed where they find these experts on every subject. 
Confusion comes from listening to many voices other than the voice of the Word of God. And let me tell you something. We have so many false teachers and false preachers today, and they are bound in our culture, and that is why you need to listen only to the Word of God. False interpretation of the Scripture abounds in our time, and that is why you have to be extremely careful, because doubt can come from confusion. Thirdly, there are those who go through doubt because they're going through emotional stress. That happens to all of us. Elijah was a man who had power with God. Man, I'm telling you, I mean, he said, God, let it rain. And it rained. He said, God, stop it from raining. And stop. I'm going to tell you something. That's power. That's power. He has power with God. He prays that God send fire. And fire came down from heaven, licked everything in sight, including water. <laughs> you know, we use water to let out fire. Now fire let out water. That's power. But then he ran a marathon in fear and in hunger. And he became so despairing of life that before God even could minister to him, God had to feed him and get him to rest. Because times of doubt can come when you're emotionally exhausted, when you're emotionally tired. The fourth is this, that there are those who go through doubt as a result of sensing their personal inadequacy. Now, I know about this one. I've been through this one. I understand it. I speak it from experience. You say, what does that mean? It's when the times that you begin to focus on your weaknesses, the time when you begin to focus on your limitations, the time when you begin to focus of what you cannot do instead of what God can do. Instead of the power of God. Instead of the promises of God. And then they begin to doubt God. Let me tell you something. John the Baptist, he was first cousin of Jesus. John the Baptist knew Jesus as the Messiah. John the Baptist grew up with Jesus. John the Baptist testified to the fact that he is the forerunner of Jesus. John the Baptist testified that Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John the Baptist testified to the fact that Jesus is the one and he alone can baptize with the Holy Spirit and fire. (laughs) But when he got into Herod's prison and he sensed a sense of helplessness. He sent some people to Jesus to say, are you the one? <laughs> John, what do you mean you're asking if Jesus is the one? You know he's the one. But he is going through times of weakness and a time of helplessness. And that comes when you focus on your inadequacy rather than God's adequacy. The fifth is that uh, there are many doubters in the world today because they have a wounded spirit. They have a wounded heart. Ted Turner is a very successful man in a worldly sense. Once he walked with God. At Macaulay School, he made a commitment to God. But he's the chief among doubters today. Why? Because he prayed to God for his sister to be healed physically. And God did not heal her. 
From that moment on, he has been in a doubting mode. Let me tell you something. Doubt comes to all of us. It's what you do with those doubting times that can make all the difference. How you deal with doubt is what can make or break your relationship with the Lord. Whether you see doubt as a dead-end street or a detour, it will make all the difference in your life. Whether you see doubt as an opportunity to stay in sin or an opportunity to grow in your love for the Lord Jesus Christ will make all the difference in the world. Abraham, Gideon, Elijah, John the Baptist, the Apostle Thomas, they all went through doubt and doubting times. But they all allowed their doubt to draw them closer to the Lord instead of remaining in their doubt. They all allowed doubt to make them keep on seeking, keep on asking, keep on knocking instead of giving up. Listen, I believe with every fiber of my being that God is compassionate upon honest doubters. Did you hear what I just said? God is compassionate upon those who are honest doubters. There are many times when our children, when they were young, and they would be going through a time of testing and doubt, and I would pray with them, and I would pray for them. And my prayer often goes something like this, Lord, I have been through tough times in life, and you walked with me, and you strengthened me. You have never forsaken me. In my times of doubt, you sought me, and you answered me, and you strengthened my faith. Lord, now I pray that you would answer them. Not because I need strengthening, but they do. And I can testify to you, to the glory of God, He has never, never, never let me down. So many Christians have this attitude that if you're going through honest doubt then you are sinful. And they say, doubt should be squelched. Doubt should be avoided at any cost. Doubt should be uprooted. And I understand that. I really do. And I'm going to tell you why. Because doubt is frightening to the child of God. And for good reason. Listen to what James said. For those who stay in their doubt. Listen to what the apostle James said. He said that the habitual doubter is double-minded and unstable in all his ways. Now, honest periods of doubt can be opportunity for the Lord to draw you closer to Him. Can be an opportunity for you to draw closer to your Heavenly Father. Can be a great opportunity for your love for Jesus Christ to grow deeper. Him right on this one. If doubting is left unchecked, this is the important part now, if doubting left unchecked, if doubting is not repented of, if doubt is not confessed to the Lord, it can do a whole lot of harm. If you do not seek God with all of your heart during the times of doubt, Satan will use it to freeze your heart. Here's what most people stumble over. Because they can only see a tiny glimpse of what God sees, they often draw the wrong conclusion 
about God. Because God looks upon His children, listen to me, even when they are going through a period of doubt, because God looks upon His children and He sees them as washed and cleansed through the blood of His Son. But we don't. We fall and we stumble. We really do. But here's the paradox. The more you love Jesus, the more you become conscious of sin and failure. And the more you become conscious of your sin and failure, the more deeply you treasure and appreciate the love of Jesus. And the more deeply you treasure and appreciate the love of Jesus, the more deeply you love Him. Isn't that incredible? That's what makes Christianity to be unique among all of the false religions, the other false religions, because I won't call them other religions, they're all false religions. So many preachers are running around saying, we are worthy to receive salvation. We are deserving to receive salvation. (laughs) Now, if you think you're worthy to receive the grace of God and salvation, pray tell me, how could you How would you appreciate the death of Christ on the cross? If I'm such a fabulous guy and deserve everything, then that's not grace. It's just I'm getting what's due to me, right? That's a heresy. Because the Bible from cover to cover tells me something different, something contradictory to this false teaching. Romans 5, the Apostle Paul said that no one would die even for a good man, let alone die for an enemy. And yet that's what Jesus did. He died for us when we were his enemies. Let me illustrate this. Because I know people struggle with that whole issue. Worthiness and am I worthy or I'm not worthy. In um, Charlotte Elliott, who lived between 1789 and 1871, became so deeply troubled with this whole question of worthiness, whether she was worthy to receive salvation, whether she's not worthy to receive salvation. And one day, a visiting preacher in a little town in England challenged her that the question is not the question of worthiness, but it's a question of grace. So, 14 years later, she was able to write the words that has blessed so many people. Listen to them again. Just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me, and that thou bidst me to come to thee, O Lamb of God, I come. Listen to this one. Just as I am thou tossed about, with many conflict, many a doubt, fighting In fear, within and without, O Lamb of God, I come. The more clearly you see the radiance of Jesus, the deeper I am conscious of my sin and what my sin cost him on the cross of Calvary, not the other way around. But here's what I want to tell you. I don't want you to miss what I'm going to tell you. The more I become aware of sin, the more I know that I'm growing in my love for Jesus Christ. Let me tell you something. If you think you're so wonderful, and you're so great, and you make no mistakes, you have no faults, I pity you. Do you know 
Now, this is an education to single men who may not observe things. Do you know why women get these magnifying mirrors and lights everywhere and they look so closely to it? The reason they do that, you know what? They're looking and seeing if there's any flaw and so they can cover it with makeup. That's biblical. Do you know that? (laughs) That's really biblical. Because it works the same way in your walk with Jesus. The closer you get to Jesus, the more His radiance shine upon you. The more He exposes sin in your life and in my life, the more failures and blemishes become exposed in my life. And that may make me doubt His love, but it shouldn't. You say, how can He love me with all of my blemishes? Oh, my friend, but that's what grace is all about. That's what grace is all about. That is why you love him more deeply because he loves you in spite of your sin and your failure and your blemishes and your doubt. I'm going to say this and I'm going to conclude. I hope that will explain what I'm trying to say. In the late 15th century, the Florentine sculptor by the name of Augustino de Antonio. Augustino de Antonio began working on a huge block of marble. And he wanted to produce a spectacular sculpture. After a few attempts to make something out of that huge block of marble, he gave it up as worthless. And that block of marble, now disfigured and worthless, sat for 40 years. Then Michelangelo took interest in it, and he saw beyond the ugly, disfigured block of marble to the magnificent artistic creation that he knew he could achieve with it. I couldn't see much in the beginning, and even in the middle, but the final statue was the celebrated David. It is now widely regarded as the most outstanding artistic achievement of all time. Beloved friends, I want to tell you, God does for you and for me what no one else can do, including yourself, including myself. God sees in you and in me what no one else can see, including yourself. And just as Michelangelo was able to see beyond the outward exterior of a block of marble to what he could eventually make of it, in the same way, the Lord is able to see beyond your doubt, beyond your failure, beyond your blemishes. He sees beyond the sinful predicament of doubt and its consequences. He knows that He and He alone can break the power of sin in your life and mine. He knows that He and He alone can restore us to the image and the likeness of Himself. And just as the figure of David was hidden in the block of marble, what God is making of you and is making of me is hidden within the disfiguring of doubt. Listen, doubt might cause you not to see the face of God in the periods of doubt. But the sanctified, justified you is never hidden from the face of the Redeemer. Doubt might cause us to feel the pain and the grief of distrusting God. 
And yet God sees beyond our pain. He sees out into something great like himself. And when you submit our doubt to God, he can use them to reveal himself and his love to us in an incredible new ways. And that is why the Bible tells us that our salvation is anchored in God's love and grace, not upon our feeble feelings. And that is why the Bible tells us that our adoption by God is permanent, not dependent on how we feel in a given moment. Thanks for listening to this message from Dr. Michael Youssef, recently featured on Leading the Way. If you'd like to know more about us, please visit ltw.org. That's ltw.org.